Exorcisms and Hauntings This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for March 31st, 2021. In this Paranormal Post edition of the Fedora Chronicles radio show, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Fisk, begin talking about an exorcism gone wrong in Sri Lanka, leading to a young girl's death. This news item begins the conversation about the actual meaning of the word exorcism and how almost every religion in the world has special rites and sacraments to ward off spiritual infestations. How is a demonic possession of a person different or the same as a ghost haunting of a specific item or place? And somehow, some way, we debate if Charles Manson was a mere product of MK Ultra, just plain evil, mentally ill, or possessed by demonic forces. At the end of the show, Jason and I invite you, our listeners, to send us your own stories of exorcisms and hauntings for us to read in a future episode. The Paranormal Post from the Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our listeners. Just like NPR, but we have better looking tote bags. I hate it when you are getting ready to record an episode of the podcast. And of course you gotta make you gotta you you, you gotta soundproof the house essentially. When I mean soundproof the house, I mean yep. you gotta run around and make sure that like the, the, the dishwasher has stopped, the coffee maker has stopped, the dogs have been fed and watered, and they've gone to the bathroom and everything is all taken care of. And then of course you have this brief conversation with your wife telling you, A some of her relatives, my in-laws, are now listening to the show. And the, and then she says, but don't edit yourself. Don't change anything about the show to accommodate anybody besides you and Jay and me, essentially is what she had said. Because she also, she doesn't listen to the show so much as she listens to the show while I'm editing it. And for some reason, she gets great entertainment out of that. Ah, oh, hey, nothing wrong with that. But speaking of um, doing the show to accommodate our listeners, I have an acquaintance at work who listens to the show. And he went back and he told me that he listened to about two or three hundred episodes of the Fedora Chronicles radio show, including the Metaphysical Connection episodes that we did. And one of the things that he really liked is when Walt and I would tackle like a topic in the realm of the paranormal and just sort of like pick it apart and, and, and talk about it in depth. And then he asked, why don't you revisit some of those episodes with Jason? Because the show that I did with Walt and the show that I do with you is a totally different animal which is actually why we changed the name of our paranormal episodes from the metaphysical connection that I did with Walt to mm -hmm. the paranormal report that I do with you and a couple paranormal of other posts. Right. The parent. What did I say? You said paranormal report. Oh, what did you know? You know what? The paranormal report would have been a much better. No, that's no, the, I'm, 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 I'm confusing the Manadnock report with the paranormal right. post. So maybe I should combine the two and do paranormal episodes about the Monadnock region in New Hampshire. Hmm. Mm. 
Hmm, that would be interesting. And one of the things that we also wanted to talk about, and it's not Halloween, which would have been a perfect time to talk about this, but is there ever a bad time of year to talk about the paranormal? No. Okay. No. no. Okay. So this always good. It's there's never a as as Art Bell has proven, there's never a bad time to talk about the paranormal. But in fact, the best time to talk about the paranormal is after dark. <laughs> you know. Am I am I wrong? No. I don't I think you are cuz let's face it. That's when especially as a, as a as a young adult and teenager, that's when all of your conversations happen. For some reason, after the sun goes down, we feel better able to discuss things that we would in the light of day be a, have a fear of being judged for. So, I, I disagree. I think I think nighttime is the perfect time to discuss paranormal. Hello, hello. Did I lose you? No, you 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 did not lose me. I actually had to okay. I had to mute the uh, I had to mute my microphone so I could actually shut the door because there's nothing nothing worse than listening to a podcast and you hear this creaky door open or close <laughs> or in the middle of you're doing it's especially during a paranormal podcast right i mean the thing is is that you're 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 doing an episode of like exorcism and possession you hear this in the background <laughs> right and then there's there's a party it's like did they do that on purpose wait a minute is that, that is that my door is that my door <laughs> Because I, I don't, because he, here's the thing. Is it, are we doing just exorcism or are we doing exorcism and hauntings? Because if we're doing exorcism and hauntings, this could be like a three or six hour long episode about our experiences. Well, considering I've got to get to work sometime today, I think we should uh, kind of rein it into just exorcism and possibly possession and possibly possession. We'll so get into that because I think the two conversations have to go hand in hand because you can't have one without the other. Right. Well, yes. And I absolutely totally agree. Now, here's the crazy thing, because every morning when I wake up, especially on the mornings that we're going to do an episode, I I do a, a, a search for news items about a specific topic. And you, you read these news stories and you're saying to myself, yourself, how could this have happened in the 21st century? Right. Right. Here's a fine example. This goes back to March 1st of this year. This is only a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Girl dies after being canned during exorcism in Sri Lanka. Police in Sri Lanka say that they have arrested two people in connection with the death of a nine-year-old girl who was repeatedly beaten during a ritual they believed would drive away an evil spirit. Um, yeah, and this is, and, and recording this on the day after Thanksgiving, uh, yeah, not Thanksgiving, St. Patrick's day. <laughs> I, I think I had one pint too many last night. Apparently you did, which means you celebrated the right way, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So the thing is, police in Sri Lanka said Monday they have arrested two people in connection with the death of a nine-year-old girl who was repeatedly beaten during a ritual they believe would drive away an evil spirit. The two suspects, a woman performing the exorcism, and the girl's mother appeared in court Monday to hear charges over the girl's death, which occurred over the weekend in this town that I will not pronounce because I don't want you to take a shot and die of liver failure, a small town about 40 kilometers northeast of the capital of uh, Colombo. The court ordered the suspects detained until March 12th. So it's March 18th. Who knows what's happened since then? Because there is no no follow-up. It's amazing how exorcism is still in the news. Well, first of all, I think we should kind of review exactly what an exorcism is. Would you like me to read from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops and their introduction on what exorcism? Well, no, because I think everyone thinks exorcism is specifically a, a Christian or Catholic church sort of thing. Okay. So from the Wikipedia page, an exorcism from the Greek, which I'm not going to pronounce, binding by oath, is the religious or spiritual practice of evicting demons or other spiritual entities from a person or an area that is believed to be possessed. And there are exorcisms that have been performed, like Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, Taoism. So pretty much every major religion in the world has documented process for handling an exorcism. So it's not just the Catholic Church. It's not just um, Christianity or Judaism that actually performs exorcisms. This is something that is fairly universal because there is a strong belief in religious circles, for lack of a better term, that there is evil there are evil spirits in the world and the one thing all spirits have is no body so if they want to do something they need a physical body to act through so they pursue it for various means now that is not necessarily because they want to affect the physical world because many of these religions also believe that spirits can affect the physical world without a body so it's not really complex but it's you got to be aware that just because like in Sri Lanka in the, in the article you're talking about just because an exorcism was being performed it doesn't mean that it was a nun that was doing the exorcism or at least a or, catholic nun right so and i sent yeah. you the link and maybe i should have sent this to you early or earlier Uh, The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has this very, very long page describing what a Catholic exorcism is and what it means and why do they do them. And it's, I'm not even sure if whether or not we want to get into the differences between what you see in the movie, The Exorcist, and and, and the actual, uh, what do you, what do you, what would you call this? The ceremony? Uh, Yeah, I would call it, well, ritual. Yeah, I would call it more of a ritual than a ceremony. Ceremony, different connotations to it, whereas ritual, I think, is a more accurate way of rephrasing to it or referring to it. So, um, what I find interesting, though, is like when they on the Wikipedia page they have notable exorcisms and notable exorcists. They have a right. listing of them, right? Um, and their list 
includes going back as far as 2005, as recently as 2005, I should say. So it's, wow, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's fairly recently, you know? And Wikipedia isn't exactly up on the latest and greatest news all the time. No. So um, it is fascinating, however, that when you look at a lot of the Catholic Church's resources on exorcism, and I don't know if they go about it on here, the vast majority of their exorcists are people that are trained in mental health. So they're actually trained to tell the difference between what is a demonic possession and a mental illness. So that is fascinating to me because those who are not religious-minded or spiritually minded are inclined to say, oh, there's someone's just having some sort of psychotic break or a an episode of some sort. But at least in the Catholic Church, their trained exorcists, a lot of them anyway, are trained to tell the difference between someone having a mental health episode and someone who is actually possessed. And it's also important to note that um, just because these are religious topics that we're talking about, it doesn't necessarily mean that we espouse any of the religious beliefs that we are talking about. I am a Christian, so my understanding of things is going to come through that Christian lens. However, I have in various times in my life studied Taoism, Judaism, Islam, and um, Buddhism. I have not spent any time studying Hinduism because it's a very complex religion. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're, I at least when I'm talking about, I'm going to be referring to things through a decidedly Christian lens. So something to bear in mind. And I had just sent you one of the links that I wanted to talk about because everything that we think we know about exorcism is from the movie, the exorcist, which I think is probably one of the scariest movies ever made. And that a lot of research went into making that movie <laughs> as yeah. as real as you can possibly understand. Um, whenever we talk about these topics, especially when we're talking about you know exorcisms, I had the same experience that I had with Walt. Whereas it's like I I just I get these cold chills, and it was just like people ask me. If, do I really believe in this stuff? Do I really believe in spirits? Do I really believe in UFOs and and the crazy conspiracy theories? And it's like I said, well, what do you mean by crazy conspiracy? Because I, I, I don't believe the Earth is flat. Let's just get that out of the way right now. <laughs> yes, we did land on the moon. <laughs> exactly. Um, but there's a lot of things that make me stop and think, oh, that's no, that ha that has to be real. Um one of the unusual things about my relationship with my dad is that the first Halloween he and I were together, we actually did some paranormal investigations before I, there, that was either even a phrase. And he had learned about this phenomenon um, where like voices from beyond come through electronic devices. And we had actually left a tape recorder on record in a graveyard and we we walked away and we um we checked his watch 
and we waited long enough, went back, flipped the cassette player, flipped the cassette, and then walked away again. And you could actually hear us walking forward in the tape. I wish I still had it because now that I have the technology to go back and clean up the audio, um, you could actually hear us like walking, you know, through the leaves, setting the crunch, 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 and it says, hey, this is Chuck Fisk. We're leaving this tape recorder here. If any of you spirits would like to talk to us and share something with us, please feel free, go ahead. And then you could actually hear us walking away. And then as the tape is almost about ready to run out, you hear us walking. And then you hear my dad say, okay, we're flipping over the cassette. And it's like when, and we, we uh, and then you can hear obviously us walking away after we flip the cassette. Kids don't these days don't understand what a cassette is, an audio cassette. I don't think. Do you, do you think that they know? If you showed them, um, a- depends on the kids. Like I know my kids know. Your kids probably know. Um, I don't know how. We're kind of audiophiles though, so yeah. Go, let's explain it. I mean, might as well. All right. So the thing is, is you have this magnetic tape, this this brown magnetic tape, on two reels inside, and that they and there's a protective cover on them. And at the bottom of the cassette, there are these four holes, four square holes, rectangle holes, where it's like in the, the middle one is where the uh, recording head or the audio playback head does the work. Whereas like as the ta- as the tape goes over the the audio head. It either records the audio or plays back the audio. And then there are the two spindles, uh, two holes on the either side for the spindle to keep the, the, the tape moving in an orderly direction so it doesn't get all messed up and jammed. And then there's like the two spindles in the center which help move the reel um, as it's being played it's back. A, it's basically like a contained but somewhat miniaturized version of the old reel-to-reels that you'll see in old television shows. That's a better explanation. So we played all of this, and we listened to the first side on the way back home from this graveyard where my dad and I were hanging out on Halloween. And just saying that out loud, that's, that's a little weird. That's a little creepy. And we listened to it, and we didn't hear much of anything. You could hear owls. You could hear dogs in the background. And just normal night noise the occasional car going by maybe and we didn't bother to listen to side two so the following Sunday or Saturday my half brother Steve came over and Steve was like really was really into the paranormal and stuff like that and um, dad said Steve we haven't listened to side two would you like to listen to it absolutely so you, you can imagine three fisks in a living room drinking coffee listening to this cassette and you hear this very very soft voice saying in the background why are you here bothering us why are you doing this go home now was it was it like a an evp kind of voice it was it was an axe it was like an evp kind of voice now it's like you could like go to google and look up evp and it freaked us out when we heard this and we jumped up and we like played it back a couple of times and and it i'm not sure if our imaginations were playing tricks on us or we actually heard it but it actually sounded like somebody had was asking why are you doing this why are you here leave us alone yeah 
and but dad also had a rule and this is a part of the rule that i purposely left out whenever we were doing evps we would always go to the convenience store or some kind of store and we would buy a brand new audio cassette right dad's rule was you never ever use a used cassette tape because if you record over something what was on previously before could sometimes bleed through correct so so that and you should always use fresh batteries always use fresh batteries whenever and that's not just for evp that's anytime you're doing anything with the paranormal always change the batteries before you do it because how many times have you heard of people being out doing paranormal investigations and the batteries are dead well also um entities spiritual entities will draw on power sources so they will drain batteries as they're gathering the energy to do something that affects the physical world and sound is affecting the physical world now i mean now i'm 18 years old and this was my first real brush with the spiritual world that I can actually think of. Uh And for reasons I I can't explain that my dad was one of these guys who was, you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Like, and he was very sort of down to earth and he didn't like believe in a lot of like, he, he had a bullshit meter that was incredible. Like you could just tell that somebody was lying. He could tell that I was lying to him. Um, and well, now we know why I'm, Actually, both counts, actually. Right. For some reason, for somebody who, like, really believed in science and really believed in technology and that there was no problem that human beings could not fix without enough time and and, and the proper application of... Of duct tape. Of duct tape. Well, not... No, no, for whatever reason, he hated duct tape. Like, if you're going to fix it, do it right. Get out the epoxy glue. And, like, let's really make a mess out of it. For my dad to be interested... And the paranormal was very, very strange. And we also had a couple of books on the paranormal. And these were all true books. And I I was talking to Aria Cooksley in an earlier episode about this book that he had um, from Yankee Magazine, Haunted New England. And my parents have that. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. Or it's Mysterious New England. And we would just go out and it's like, and he would use me as the canary. Because I would know nothing about this location. And dad right, would so like be you're, like... You're his control. You're, you're, if he doesn't feel anything or, or nothing happens, he's not... I know he's not faking it. Right. If something does happen, you know you're, you're, you're not faking it. It'd be a new experience for you because you're not expecting something to be there. Because we went to somewhere around the Rutland vermont area and i had not known that there was like a notorious haunting where spirits had actually picked up a house down to the foundation and turned it like 12 degrees or something crazy like that and it's like my dad's like did you feel anything do you feel anything do you feel any weird tingling did and it's like you can actually hear on these cassettes dad asking me these crazy questions so i believe that there are spirits this is a this is my roundabout taking five or ten minutes to explain to the people no, I do believe in spirits. I do believe that oh, there is... Absolutely. What's that? Yeah, I absolutely do. Continue. All right. So there's the aspect of um, 
possession and exorcism that for reasons I, I still don't understand, dad didn't want to talk about too much. Dad didn't want to get into all of, you know, the, the idea of um, a body being taken over by a spirit. That's the, well, this is the one area that dad did not want to talk about too much, or if at all. Well, I mean, if you think about it from a purely scientific standpoint, right? If there <clears throat> exists something in the world that can take over your body so that you become a prisoner in your own body, as your body's saying and doing things that likely are going to horrify you, that would be something you don't want to have to confront or want to face, right? I mean, look at how many times things like that show up in science fiction, right? That's a torture device in some stories for science fiction, right? So that makes sense because in science, we are the masters of our body, you know? So it would make sense that anything that would throw that that control, that that element of defining who we are or how we think of ourselves is scary, you know, just at that level. But if you want, if you think about it even deeper than that, scientists don't really believe in the soul. They don't really believe in the spirit. They think after we die, that's it. There's nothing. So the concept of there being demons means that the other other religious concepts have to be considered to be a possibility of being true as well. And that's also a frightening proposition for certain, for some people, you know? So that is the idea that there's something beyond our control that could take control over us, whether it's spirits or aliens, that's a, that's a hard thing to get around. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. And like one of the things, one of the, Something that we have to, I think, mention in particular is where do these spirits come from that then have to be exercised from either a person or an area, right? And has anyone, I'm pretty sure everyone has had that experience where they're in a city or they're in a town or they're out in the woods or they're just walking across a field and then they've got a bad feeling come over them. Yeah, everyone's experienced that. Whether regardless of where you are, could be an urban area, could be not, and you get that bad feeling. That area, there is something off about that area. I think every childhood it has that element to it. In the movie The Sandlot, it's it's that guy's backyard with his creepy monster dog. You know what I mean? Right. So <clears throat> it is important to point out that areas can be possessed and when we say possessed and talk about an area it's basically a spirit that has taken up residence there now this is my understanding of the world right which is informed somewhat by my background in uh, the LDS church as well as the Catholic church but also my own experiences and just my rationalizing it there are two kinds of spirits there are the spirits uh, that used to be people. We commonly refer to them as ghosts. And then there's the spirits that have never had any physical body. And some people refer to those or think of those as demons. And according to Christianity, those spirits that have never had bodies were the spirits of the people who rebelled against God's plan in heaven and got cast down and 
Where did they get cast down to when they got thrown out of heaven? Well, they didn't end up in hell. They ended up here. Right. So there are spirits here on the earth. Kind of, some wander around, some take residence in an area, and we then refer to that area as being a bad area or possessed area. So that's where the spirits we're talking about happen. Now, the common understanding when it comes to an exorcism or the common belief anyway, is that a possession that demands an exorcism is of the latter sort of spirit. It is a spirit that has never had a physical body. So those are usually the spirits that are being expelled. You won't hear people talking about how a child was possessed by this evil murderer who used to be in the in the area, because that's not the general understanding when people think of spiritual possessions that lead to an exorcism. And that's an important thing because there's a different feel to a spirit that was once human. Um, I, I'm not sure if I can describe it accurately. I've, I've been, I've been to an apartment. There was this family living in an apartment and my ex-wife, I don't know how she got to know them, but she was like, Hey, they need, they need us to do a cleansing of their apartment. And there was, um, it was just a little dinky one bedroom apartment. It was a husband and wife and one kid. Um, they were kind of down on their luck. It was not a nice apartment. It was not in a nice area of town. And you walked into like the main room, which also served as a kid's bedroom for them. And it was fine. You know, it was, I mean, it was kind of messy, a little dirty, but it was fine. And it was like, a, you know, in those smaller apartments, out, it's like that one great room that's part kitchen, part dining room, part yeah. living room. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of room it was. And then you'd go into the back and there was a bathroom on the right-hand side and a bedroom on the left-hand side. And then when you walked from that little miniature hallway into the bedroom, the temperature dropped 10 or 15 degrees. It was a very noticeable drop. And as you got closer to the closet, the temperature dropped even further. That was, from my feeling of it, a former, formerly human spirit. There was someone decidedly evil who had died and decided to take possession of that little closet. And the reason why I got that feeling is because even to this day, I still have the impression when I think about it, like right now as I'm talking about it, I still have almost image flashes of someone doing something to kids. Right. It's not a comfortable thing. It is not something that I enjoy thinking about or talking about. So we performed a cleansing according to Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I was a priesthood holder in the church at the time, and we drove that spirit out. We literally felt the, the temperature rise in the room after the after performing, performing the rite. So the one thing I've noticed in my experiences is that the once human spirit get rid of. And I've mentioned in the past that when it comes to dealing with these entities, it is all about your willpower. And faith is a way of bolstering your willpower because you have the faith that, well, I may not have the strength to do this, but I believe in God and God has the strength to do this. So having that faith is a form of armor and protection for people, which is why whether you're going through, if you're cleansing a house 
you're going through someone who usually has some sort of spiritual beliefs. Either a priest of some sort, or, and when I say priest, I don't necessarily mean male Catholic priest. I mean the priest of whatever religion. Right. Um, and they're, they're using the authority and their faith to cleanse that area of whatever evil entity or just bad entity is in there. Because that's the other thing. There's evil and there's just bad. And it's a matter of degrees, at least from my experience in dealing with these things. So, yeah, it, there's... In my belief, from my experience, exorcisms happen for a reason. And there are areas that are bad. There are people who get possessed by evil spirits. And then there are people who decide to just be evil for whatever reason. For example, if you look at um, Richard Ramirez, which, uh, who was he? He was the... Um, Night Stalker? Yeah, the Night Stalker, right? You know? That was a guy who was just evil. He was just an evil person, you know? The whole Hail Satan shit. I don't know if he actually believed in Satan. I don't know that he was actually religious or not. But the societal understanding of Satan and what he represents appealed to him, right? So someone can call themselves a Satanist all they want, but if they haven't actually done anything to do research to find out about the character of Satan, then they don't really know. And most people's understanding of Satan is based on what they hear in movies. Yes. So. So we wanted to talk about exorcism, but here we are. We're talking about like haunted places in particular. (laughs) Well, it's kind of, it, it goes part and parcel with it, right? Because something that everyone forgets is that like my having been to that one apartment that I just spoke about, there is a possibility that if that entity is not tied to that area in some fashion, that by provoking it, that entity could have followed me and could have decided to invade my area. So a lot of churches will talk about how, you know, keep your home a sanctuary. Yeah. And what they're saying, the reason why they're saying that is for that very reason. If you're home is not a sanctuary a spiritual sanctuary then darker spirits like that can enter into the home and not all spirits are bad either my girlfriend's got a spirit of a of a child that resides in one of the rooms in her basement and there was another darker entity that she had had purged of her apartment or well the house she's she's renting so not all spirits are bad you know, and having the spirit of the child, it's it's a weird thing. I felt the kid walk, <clears throat> will come into the room. And you literally feel like, imagine imagine you're having a conversation with an adult and then you notice a child walk into a room. There is that kind of lightning of the spirit that you feel. It's like, oh, look, look cute little kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they're doing something and they're playing or whatever. You know, just like any kid, sometimes they do things that will annoy you. Right. That's what it is, except you can't see the kid. You know, you get that feeling, and then sometimes something happens, and you're like, go away. You know what I mean? So not all spirits are bad, but playing around with spirits, like I, I watch some of these like ghost hunter stuff, and some of the things that they're doing, I'm just shaking my head. Like, you have no idea how dangerous that could possibly be. No, it is, be. It is actually very, very dangerous. Um. I also think that there was 
this one story. It's like, I think that I've shared this before. Um, there's one place in particular in my recent history where I was house sitting for somebody who had just recently moved to, um, to another house across the state, but he had yet to sell his previous house, the house that where he and his family lived for maybe more than 20 years. And he, he had said, it's, this is not a joke. This house is actually haunted. And I'm kind of like, yeah, well, okay. I've seen weird things. I've seen things that defy explanation. I'm not really sure that um, you can actually prove the house is haunted. And he, and he had said, it's like, when you're alone in this house, you are going to experience things that are going to just scare the shit out of you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll but be... But why was he moving? I don't get it. I don't know. Well, <laughs> he had retired. He, 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 he downsized. There you go. Um, and so it's like, I, and I went, and one of my jobs was um, to make sure that the furnace is still working. So I, I went into the basement, and it's one of these um, stone foundations, um, uh, stone and concrete foundations with a very like low ceiling. Okay. And I would make sure that this this old furnace had enough water in it. And, and of course, you know how old furnaces and old heating systems, it's like they, they put the excess steam pressure would yep. be expelled out of these old radiators. They're exactly like what you see in the, like the old cartoons. And, um, and obvi- obviously the water pressure would drop and I would have to like put just a little more water in every time that I visited. And somebody was walking around upstairs and I thought, oh, that must be the realtor. Mm-hmm. So I go upstairs and I say, "Hey, I'm Eric. I'm the 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 housekeeper, or I'm the house sitter." Yeah. And there's nobody there. Yep. And I was like, "Well, that's odd." And I was like walking around, I was saying, "Hello, hello." And I looked in the drive. There's no car in the driveway. Yeah. And I'm like, "That's that's that's funny. That's awkward." And I heard footsteps upstairs, and I thought, oh, "Somebody is upstairs." So. I, I, I went upstairs the entire time and says, hey, hang on, hang on, let me catch up. And I went and like where the master bedroom was, there was nobody there, even though I heard somebody there a couple of minutes ago. And then I heard somebody back downstairs where I just where I just was. Somebody that was, was probably in, the only the only staircase in the house. There's well. two. There was two staircases. Oh, two. OK. And the thing is, is like you could chase somebody around, go around and around because there was a staircase right off the kitchen and there was a staircase right next to the, 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 the front door. Mm-hmm. So you could constantly like do this loop, go upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs. So it's like, and I yelled, I says, hang on, let me catch up. When I went downstairs and there was nobody in the kitchen. And then I heard somebody walking around in the room that I was just in three minutes earlier. Yeah. And of course, I thought that this was like what do you do? What do what do you do? Do you call the police? Do you say well, hey? Yeah, yeah, right. Because how's that going to go? I think we have an intruder. So, um, I uh, I walked around a couple of times. I, it, and I'm, at some point, it, 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 my mind must be playing tricks on me. Right. I I, I double check. Well, it's an old house. It could be settling. You know, sure. you can tell the difference between a house settling and footprints. Yeah, and, and you could you could tell somebody was walking around. Yeah. And no matter how many times I tried to trick this person by going the opposite direction 
walking around very, very quietly. Whatever, what, whoever this was, was always in the opposite floor where I was. If I was in the top floor, they were at the bottom floor. Um, I mean, that's that's downright Bigfoot level of hide and seek. Right. That is. Right. So, and I said, screw it. Whoever is in here, I'm going to lock them in here because he had those kind of like the locks on the door um, that were very hard to operate unless you had like hand de- like strong hand dexterity or hand strength. Mm-hmm. I said, screw it. And I just like, and I went out into the car and I just, I just waited and I just, I just watched. And one of the, one of the curtains just gently sort of like moved aside a little bit. Uh-huh. And it was just like, this is freaking weird. And so it's like, and I drove back and I, I, I talked to the owner and the owner had said, okay, so, uh, did anything weird happen? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yes. <laughs> Funny. You should mention Funny. That. You should mention that. And I took my wife and kids over to the house cause we thought there, um, the, the the house is probably two times larger than this house, and it also had an attached garage and great workspace. And um and I had thought you know maybe Carol would want to look at this place because it's it's in a historic part of Southern New Hampshire. And my okay. wife and I were like walking around, and my my wife was like, "Just get me out of here. There's something there's something not right here." Yeah. Um. And I know that this person, uh, the owner of the house, had a couple of mediums come over to the house. And the medium had said, there's more than one spirit here. There are a couple of spirits here who just grew so attached to this house. These spirits couldn't have left. There's something about this place that spirits just can't or won't leave. Right. Now... When you're talking about selling a house, do you want to tell people that you know that it's haunted? Well, that's the hard thing, right? Because for some people, that's bonus. They glom onto that crap. And other people are like, I don't want to deal with that shit. So do you or don't you? That is a very, very good question. What do you say? Like, what do you say to people like that? What do you say? Plus, you're also taking the chance on them looking at you like, all right, what do you smoke? Exactly. That's and that's and of course that's an obvious question, right? And most, I would say, in in my experience anyway, most spirits that you deal with are benign. They're not very malignant. They may be kind of creepy. They may give you that creepy feeling. There's also, especially when it comes to like uh, any entity that has been human before. Some of them are just like echoes. It's just uh, they've done something so many times and become so attached to an area that it's almost like they're recording and they're walking through that area. That was the spirit that we had on the boat that I served on. It was a guy that had an old-fashioned Coast Guard uniform, and he was he would walk through this solid walls that at one point in time where there used to be a door. So you will run into those two. Those are extremely benign. Those are the ones that, um, like if you go to most places that you go to an area and they're like, this place is haunted. Usually those are the spirits you're going to find there because they're fairly reliable. Yeah. 
that they're going to show up and they're also not very dangerous that they're going to hurt somebody. Okay. Um, I remember one area, there was a ranch that my ex-wife's, one of her cousins had, and she used to do ghost tours on it. And they were, you know, we, we helped her with the ghost tour because um, she was just walking around and all we were doing was just corralling people so they wander around her property. And during one of these, um, one of her son's friends were there with his girlfriend and they of course wandered away from the group, but we figured, you know, Hey, he lives here. And then apparently he left them alone and we're there. There's like this ghost hunting group, paranormal investigation group there. And they're explaining about, you know, EVP and all this other kind of shit. And all of a sudden, you hear this scream from where everyone parked their cars. And we run out. And the girl and her boyfriend had been sitting in the cab of his truck. And they had been making out. And then all of a sudden, she felt a scratch on her back as she's sitting down in the truck. Her back is against the seat. And she lifted up her, her shirt. And on the small of her back were three distinct scratch marks. Didn't look like they were made by human hands. You know, um, either that or the boyfriend had some really huge fingers. So I'm not ruling out that it wasn't the boyfriend, you know, hey, let's give him a thrill kind of a thing. I could see punk kids doing that. Right. But it was definitely very unnerving. And my ex-wife, who was sensitive to spirits, she's an empath empath um she felt something decidedly wrong there so after the tour was over she spoke to her cousin and her and said you know do you want us to try and get rid of the spirit and she was like yeah sure so we went out to this area where we felt it strongest and we followed the right that we had used in the apartment and this entity was extremely powerful darkness came over me that was palpable it was very oppressive it was i wasn't physically ill but i could definitely feel the pressure on my mind Mm -hmm. um it would vacillate at times it would be just this anger that came over me other times it was feeling like i should you know we were standing on a bridge over a stream and at times I would get the feeling I should just push my ex-wife over the railing. Pardon me, wishes I listened. So, yeah. Oh, God, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But it was very, it was doing anything it could to get me to stop doing what I was doing. Right. And got to a point where I had forced it away. And I didn't realize it, but I was on my knees at that point. I had fallen to my knees. And we had pushed it away. And that was all I could do. Yeah. And basically there was that stream on that the bridge we were standing on had was, was on top of, was crossing. That stream kind of came onto the property and kind of wound around a little bit and like sort of a like a, a lazy uh, U-turn 
And all I could do was contain it to that part of the property. That was all I could do. I, there was no way I was going to be getting rid of it. That spirit was much more malevolent and malignant. And come to find out, in talking to her cousin afterwards, she had said, or the cousin that is, had said, mentioned that when her family moved out there in the 1800s, there was a, I want to say it was a, an uncle or a cousin of the family that actually built the house and stuff like that and started the ranch. And at one point he had been accused of abusing the couple's son. And one of the spirits that she would call on during the, the tour was that child who had been abused, who had ended up dying. And there was a standoff between the what passed as the local law enforcement because the town wasn't incorporated yet and him and he had been within that area where the stream kind of hordens that off where that dark entity was and I said this was not a human spirit that I was dealing with and she said no that doesn't surprise me because that, that uncle or whomever used to spend a lot of time on that part of the of that part of the property and no one else wanted to go out there so there was something there that was a corrupting influence it corrupted him and he's only adding his own malignancy to that area so it was possible that there were two spirits which would explain the differences between you know the oppression I felt on myself and then the urge to do something bad you know it could have been two different entities working on me at the same time that I didn't I didn't understand or was was not able to separate between the two. And that's where you would then call in a real exorcist if you wanted to get rid of that. Because there's having, like most things, the more experiences you have with it, the better prepared you are. So that's where if you really think you're dealing with something that is that malignant, you should call in an expert. Even if you don't believe in whatever faith it is yeah if someone says oh talk to so-and-so they're really good go for it which sort of brings us back to the exorcism and talking about the difference between an exorcism and the sacrament of penance and i'm scrolling through this um this link that i had sent you and yep. one of the questions that is asked here is that can uh, may anyone receive a major exorcism? And it says here, it says, since the rites of exorcism are categorized as sacraments, effective as blessings, the practice of who may receive a, quote, major exorcism, unquote, is governed by Canon 1170 of the Code of Canon Law. The following are able to receive a special blessing if it is determined necessary. A, Catholics, um, Catechumens, which I have no idea what that yep. is. And non-Catholic Christians who request it, and non, non-Christian non be believers pr provide that they have the proper disposition, meaning they are sincere in their desire to be free of demonic influences. In case of involving non-Catholic, the matter should be brought up to the attention of the of the diocesan bishop, meaning like the local bishop. So the thing is, is like you have somebody who is suffering from some serious demonic possessions and you got to go to your local bishop well, now that actually makes a lot of sense to me right those 
caveats, if you will. So a catechumen is what they refer to as a convert to Christianity, receiving training and doctrine before baptism. Okay, so that's like a someone who's converting or in the process of conversion. Um, faith, though, is a very, very powerful tool when dealing with any of these non-corporeal entities. You have to have a strong faith when dealing with them, right? Um, some people that I've spoken with who have been involved in cleansings, so they're more of a spiritual kind of bend. And a lot of times on paranormal investigation teams, you'll have uh, some sort of spiritualist there with them. And in talking with a few of those spiritualists, um, faith is very, very important. There are some people that apparently have a capacity for faith and have strong spirits. And a lot of times those people are particularly singled out by the darker entities and they're more likely to have those experiences. So I've been told on a few occasions that I have a powerful spirit and that explains some of the things that I've experienced in my life. Because if you have, it's like a magnet, right? If you have a powerful spirit or a powerful faith, something about you that is strong in that particular way, other things are going to be attracted to it. And a lot of that is going to be the opposite, right? If you think of it kind of like magnetism or you know, the dichotomy of life or whatever. Um, so it's not surprising to me that they are not going to perform it on someone who is a non-believer, right? Simply because the faith of the priest performing it is going to be lessened if the person who is having it performed on them doesn't think it's necessary, doesn't think there's any power to it. You're you're lessening that you're lessening that authority, you're lessening that power. Right. And it has to be requested because if you're if you think you're possessed, but you're not asking for an exorcism. But like, say, your mother is or your father is or whatever, you know, someone close to the, close to the person who's possessed. If it's someone else that's requesting the exorcism, chances are it's not going to take it's not going to happen because. At that point, that person's soul has formed some sort of bond with that entity. And you can't sever that from an external source. It has to be done by the person. If they're not strong enough to sever it themselves and they ask for the intervention of an exorcist, they are working with the exorcist to help sever that hold that that entity has on them. But if they don't want to sever it, instead of having like, you know, a rope tied off to something. You've got two people pulling on the rope on one end and yeah. one person pulling on the other end, you know? Because one of the things that I had encountered when I was doing paranormal investigations, doing EVPs uh, with my equipment at the time, um, and it's unusual because the thing is, is that the, the, the PV audio board that I was using, the smaller one, the, um, the PV4, the, the smaller version of the one that I have here, um, broke soon after that 
investigation that I did, this woman had this room where um, no electrical devices would work. And we, we did some experience uh, experiments with with lamps. And it's like if you plug in a lamp, the bulb would, would pop. And we took a lamp in with an extension cord, and it was plugged into another outlet. And the bulb popped as soon as we crossed the threshold into the other room. And there, uh, that you could not keep warm in that room. There was something wrong with that room. And we were trying to figure out what, what could it have been in that room that had all these demonic forces to it. And, and, and talking to the owner of the house, um, and we were talking about like, what, what kind of things do you, are you keeping in that room? Is there anything weird? And she said that she bought a Ouija board at a yard sale and she did, she she kept it as 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 a wall decoration and it was hidden behind i don't know if it's hidden behind a blanket or a towel or a curtain i and i didn't notice it until until later and i said well it, this was the source of a lot of weird negative stuff there's a lot of really weird negative stuff happening in the house and this was the source of it Another example, the dogs that she had would not go in that room. The dogs would not go in that room for whatever so, reason. A couple of things. Right. <laughs> First of all, um, animals tend to be more sensitive to those things. Um, so if you have, if there's an area of the house that your dog is barking at or your cat keeps staring at, um, there may be something there. Right. Now, that thing could be a mouse you can't see or hear or it could be some sort of spirit okay um if your dog especially will not go into an area cats seem to be more i don't want to say brave but they're more inclined to investigate those areas than a dog will right um so if your dog is barking at an area in, or a room and refuses to go into that room there's probably something there may not necessarily always be malignant, but it, there's probably something there. There's something going on that you may want to have investigated. Exactly. And the other thing is the Ouija, board. Ouija boards. Now, a lot we could of, do an entire show on Ouija boards. And, and maybe, maybe, that we, maybe we should. Um, yeah. She didn't want to get rid of the Ouija board because she thought that all of this was fun. And, well, it, and it was just like, you, okay, that's a conversation over. And I, yeah. I wound up packing up everything. And when I got home, the crystal that my wife gave me for protection, as it were, was cracked. And where it was cracked, it started to turn black. I don't know how that happened. I have no idea how that happened. Yeah. Now, how, how does a crystal that's in your pocket, it's in a pouch in my pocket, get so cracked and turn black. I don't understand that. Well, crystals are very sensitive to energy, as we've discussed a few times in the past. Crystals and some semi-precious stones resonate with energy, and they can, they're can they great receptors and channelers of energy. That's why you hear about crystal balls, and a lot of people who practice Wicca will have a lot of uh, crystals around them. But, like, for example, my, my girlfriend practices... Um, Reiki or she used to she hasn't done in a while and she has a lot of crystals too because crystals are a great way of channeling energy and just like a light bulb that has too much energy go through it what happens to the light bulb it pops 
Exactly. So that's how your crystal cracked. Now, as far as the color of it, it could have been just a lot of power going through that crystal, or it could be a reflection depending on your views of it. It could have been a, a reflection of the nature of the energy that was going through it. And I will say that people who play around with Ouija boards are playing around with something they do not understand. I don't know of a single spiritualist who knows what they're doing who will use a Ouija board in an area they know might be haunted. I have never even heard of one. I've heard of, you know, pseudo-spiritualists using Ouija boards because it has that kind of, you know, the trappings. And these are just con people. Most people I know that are real spiritualists do not sell their services because then that adds a corrupting influence to them using that service, which opens them up to those darker spirits as well. Remember I said that if you're dealing with a spirit, a spirit can possibly follow you. Well, if you're using your gift for money, you've opened yourself up to a level of corruption that may attract a spirit. So the next house you go into to deal with a malevolent spirit, you may take something home with you that you did not intend. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing. If someone is offering you their services for a fee, chances are they're a con man. Right. Because they don't necessarily know what they're doing. They don't necessarily have any faith in what they're doing. They're just seeing it as an opportunity of a means of making money. And you're not going to get any results from it. Not any good results anyway. No, but if absolutely. you're playing around with a Ouija board, you are literally inviting a non-corporeal entity to channel itself through you. Does that sound like a good idea? It does not. Obviously, it does not. Right? And people do it anyway. Hell, Milton Bradley was printing off Ouija boards you know, by the thousands and selling them as a toy. Yeah, I remember when I was working at KB Toy in uh, Rutland, Vermont, we actually had <laughs> those on sale. Yeah. And it was just like... Um, it's a great Halloween item. It's a great Halloween item, but the thing is, is like... Once we started selling them, weird things started to happen in the store. And um, once we got our first shipment of Ouija boards, the store manager acted really bizarre. And it, it, I might even say evil. He did a couple of things that I thought were just just genuinely evil. Um, yeah. God, I, I, how much time do we have left or, or, or are we out of time here? Uh, we can go a little bit longer. Okay, because I was kind of like wondering, oh my god, you know, I don't want to make Jay, I don't want to make Jay late for work again. <laughs> That's all right. My boss is an hour behind me, so as long as I'm on by the time he gets on, I'm yeah. Good. But the the thing that people need to remember, though, is just like most things in life, there are certain people who have a predilection for it, and there's people who don't. There are people who are more attractive to the malignant spirits than others. And it could be because that person is particularly strong. It could be because that person is already has a frame of mind that is conducive to that own spirit's interests. So in other words, if someone has an evil streak in them, they're going to be more attractive to a evil spirit, but also someone who is particularly just strong willed, not necessarily quote unquote good or bad. They may be, have an attraction to 
those spiritual entities simply because they want to conquer that will. They want to conquer that power or they want to incorporate it into their own. Right now, some things that like we know, for example, nowadays, or it's strongly believed anyway, that uh, Charles Manson was involved with MK ultra to some extent, to yeah. what extent we don't know, but he was either one of the people that was in the program receiving the LSD or he was more involved than that, which is a topic for another show. It is, yeah. The other thing that people don't mention is one of the reasons why a lot of spiritualists stay away from stronger drugs like LSD is because it weakens your resolve, right? Yes. Marijuana is actually an herb with some spiritual qualities to it. So it is actually spiritually a very benign drug to take. But like LSD, crystal meth, these will lead you down dark paths. And Charles Manson definitely had a dark streak in him, as was evidenced by what he ended up doing. Right. Or convinced other people to do. Well, that's more of what I meant. What he did, what he didn't murder anybody, but he took people and sought out people that he could control and dominate which is a much more spiritual form of, of, of murder, of abuse at the very least, of assault than anything else. As I mentioned earlier, people of a scientific mind don't like thinking that someone else can control your actions. However, that's what Charles Manson did. He took his family of runaways and drug addicts and turned them into killing machines. That's a dark dude. What he did, in, to my mind, is just as horrific as the actions that his family performed on his behalf. So if Charles Manson had had, if Charles Manson was able to perpetuate his spirit after his death and, say, possess an area, he would be one of those dark entities that would be capable of actually possessing a body. Because that was his predilection for it. And if I, I personally think he probably had been exposed to some evil spirits over the years. And that's kind of helped push him further along his path. He, he never walked the straight line, as it were. Which, so, re, which reminds me, the page and I have to get back together and we got to do part three of our series on the book Chaos. I do think that there was... There's the possibility there's the chance that charles manson was possessed by demons i completely believe that 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 is a possibility you take everything that i've said so far about how what i think and how i feel about the paranormal and you look at charles manson and you look at his behavior and the things that he talked about and things that he warned us about and you and he was and he was also talking about mk ultra for a very brief period of time in sort of vague generic terms. Um, I, I do think that if there was anybody in American history within the last 50 to 60 years who was possessed by a demon or demons, it, it could most likely be Charles Manson. Charles Manson is the best candidate. I, I can't disagree. I mean, again, did look at the things he did and if if you think of and if, if you think of progression of things right 
killing somebody is an action that is irreversible. It, it, whether whatever your motivations behind doing it, it changes you. As a veteran, I can tell you, you can tell the difference between the people who were in combat and the people who were not. And it's not because of PSD. Taking a life changes you, right? But if you look at what Charles Manson did, he didn't go down that path. So if you think of a murderer like the Night Stalker, right, Richard Ramirez, if you think of someone like him as being a servant or an agent of evil or of the devil, then Charles Manson wasn't aiming to be a soldier or an agent. He was aiming to be an officer, and that was his intent. That is definitely a possibility. Now, if you think what his children did, you know, in the Manson family, what they did was evil. How evil is it that someone pushed him to it? How evil is that dude? That's, that is a tough question. And I, there's a part of me that also believes that some of the experiments that they may have done, because, I mean, we, we know for a fact that it's like, we know that the government and the CIA, specifically within the CIA, did experiments on people. There's MK Ultra, and then there's the other program. Uh, I think it was um, Operation Stargate, where they were trying to get people to use, you know, mind powers. They There's an oh, entire movie. The, the, men, the one that they made fun of in Men Who Stare at Goats. Right. Kind of going off topic a little bit with that, but imagine that on this show. Um, there is definitely more to what we commonly think of as science right? Like, for example, the Ghostbusters, right? That was obviously humorous, but by all accounts, Dan Aykroyd was, came from a family of people who had an interest in that sort of thing. And he actually, in doing his research and writing the Ghostbusters, developed an interest in it as well, right? Um, there's certain iconography images that have power to us as as a society but there's also things that we as individuals carry with us that are images of either key moments in our lives or something that has some sort of meaning for us like like especially collectors for example a lot of collectors collect those things because of the meanings they have for them and we know that our brains put out energy right our brains, you know, they're called brain waves, you know, alpha, beta. They, these are things that can be measured. And if our brains can put out energy and if the world is, as we know, comprised almost exclusively of energy, anything we think of as physical is only physical due to the strength of the energy bonds between the molecules that make it up. That's how we determine if something is quote unquote solid. Then why is it so far out of the realm of possibility by science that our brains cannot affect that those other external energies we're putting those energies out there how why is it that it's so unbelievable we could possibly affect those things and that was really the basic thought behind a lot of those men who stare at goats programs conducted by the CA because that's not something you want put on the books because everyone will think you're freaking crazy yes if they have if they haven't thought about that already oh well, yeah but you know joke them if they can't take a fuck exactly so. exactly so the thing is is that it's like I always like to um I always like to wrap up the show with sort of like a kind of like a con con conclusion 
and say, mm-hmm. oh, well, well, what can you do about these? What can we do about this issue or whatever? And I think that um, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to in, in, invite some of our listeners to send in their stories and share with us their paranormal experiences. And we like to read them on the air for the next episode of the Paranormal Post. Oh, yeah. And definitely um, get the ball rolling. Because the thing is, is like this is this is like a really popular thing that we do on this podcast, you know, talking about the paranormal. I think we actually like talked more about, you know, <laughs> hauntings than actual exorcism. But, sure. um, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think that it's like, there are a couple more news stories. I think when it's like, maybe when, when we do part two of this, we should actually like, um, go through the news items that I found about exorcism. Oh, absolutely. So if you have an interesting story about, hauntings or your own personal experience with Ouija boards and exorcism, uh, drop us a line and it's really easy to remember fedora chronicle, leave out, leave off the S fedora chronicle at uh, uh, gmail.com or just reach out to us on our, on our Facebook group. We actually have some, several of them. We have, um, uh, the one that I think that would be most interesting to the folks listening to this episode would be the uh, paranormal post. Jay, thank you for another like fascinating and interesting show topic. It's this is one of those times where it's like I have to go and I have to get some work done. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. As always, it's a good time, man. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, And for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret, by all of music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>